Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We have another package for you to deliver. Don't be late. The phone went dead. What? I said, looking at my phone confused. I scrolled through my phone to see if I ever got a call or message from the number before. Who are these? My voice trailed off when I realized it wasn't my phone. That's why I didn't recognize the number. It was my mom's. Hi, I'm Jackson. You know the drill. Like, subscribe, and tap that notification bell if you want to continue these adventures with us. Tasha is going to kill me, I said as I turned the car around. I just hope my mom hasn't left for work yet. Tonight, Tasha, my girlfriend of two years, had to babysit her younger brother, so I was going to order pizza and spend a few hours over there. I told her I would be there at 7 p.m. It was already 6.50 p.m. My phone vibrated. I opened the message. It was an address. I turned the corner and realized mom's truck was still there. I pulled up to the driveway behind it and ran into the house. Mom, mom, I yelled. I picked up your phone instead. Where are you? Mom came out of her bedroom with her boots in her hand. She sat on the sofa and pulled them on. I thought you were headed over to Tasha's. I was, but then I got a call and a text message on your phone. I handed the phone to mom. Where's mine? On the kitchen counter where you left it. I grabbed my phone and told my mother about the phone call and the text and asked her what it was about. She said Albert, her coworker, had been home the past few days and she was just picking up his slack. You see, this year was a tough year for me and mom. We lost Ma, my mother's grandmother, and then mom got fired from her job for the past 10 years. I wanted to work and go to school, but my mother wouldn't hear anything of it. She searched high and low for a job and finally got this one as a truck driver. When she realized that the only option was night shift, she spoke with me about it. She spoke to me about it because she didn't want me to be home alone. I had to remind her that I was 17 and I would be okay. Many times I wondered what type of deliveries mom did because she never spoke about the job. But tonight, it piqued my interest. The call reminded me of the show Transporter where he would collect the packages no questions asked and then there was that one package that he did open and all hell broke loose. A week ago, my mom asked me to get her checkbook from her handbag and there was a large wad of cash in it. I didn't say anything even though I wanted to, but I knew better than to question my mother about things that were none of my business. Bye, Mom. I'll see you later. Be safe. Thanks, Jackson. I walked out of the house and jumped in the car. Something didn't feel right. I called Tasha and told her that I couldn't make it tonight. I told her I had something to take care of concerning my mother. 
I told her that I would let her know how it went as soon as I got home. I drove down the street and waited for my mother to leave. 15 minutes later, I saw the truck drive out of the driveway. I followed a little way off so she wouldn't see me. About an hour later, I watched as she drove to a hospital. Because this hospital is under investigation, I can't disclose the name. I parked the car close to other cars that were there in the parking lot and quickly followed her. I watched from the corner of the building as two attendants loaded two beds with patients at the back of the truck. Both attendants wore full protective clothing, including masks. As soon as the truck began to move, I ran and grabbed the handles at the back of the truck. A few moments later, we turned off onto a dimly lit road. As we approached a large building, it looked like a fancy dome-shaped storage container. It was the only building in the area. I guess that was the next stop, so I dove into some bushes so I wouldn't get caught. I watched as they unloaded the patients and mom got out of the truck and followed them. I snuck past the guards and kept closer to the building. There was one main entrance and I walked around the building looking for a window to peek inside, but there were no windows, so I couldn't see what was going on inside. Without warning, someone grabbed my shoulder and spun me around. Jackson, she whispered harshly, what are you doing here? If anyone found out that you were here, it would mean big trouble for the both of us. We need to get you out of here before anyone sees you. My mom snuck me into the back of the truck. She opened the back of the truck and we quickly got in. She opened one of the bottom cabinets and told me to get in and stay quiet. I squeezed into the cabinet and tried to make myself as comfortable as possible before she closed the door. A few minutes later, I heard the door open, then the squeaking of wheels and the doors closed. I knew someone else had entered the back of the truck. We made multiple stops that night. During the last trip, the two attendants were having a conversation. Dr. Mendez said we need to get more samples, said attendant one. How many do we need? asked attendant two. The more races we get, the better. We need as much DNA as we could get before we roll out phase two of the test. My eyes widened. DNA, races, samples, and testing? Who were these people? At this point, I was positive that my mother did not know what she had gotten herself into. The truck stopped and I couldn't wait to get as far away from these people as possible. As the attendants prepared to remove the patients, attendant one realized that one of the patients had died on the way. What are we going to do? We need two, attendant two said. We'll take the truck driver, attendant one said casually. Let's get the first one in and when she enters the building, we nab her there. Leave that dead patient there. I'll let disposal come and remove it. Everything in me wanted to jump out and attack these men, but I knew that wouldn't help me or my mother. I quickly texted Tasha and sent my location. I told her if she didn't hear from me or my mom in 24 hours, this is where she was nabbed. I turned off my phone and put it back into my pocket. I came out of the cabinet. I had to move quickly. Even though the cadaver was still warm to the touch, I was grossed out when I had to move it. I hid the cadaver in the cabinet where I had been hiding and I hid under the sheets waiting to be moved. After a few minutes, I heard the doors open and I held my breath. Someone grabbed the bed. I was moving. The sound of voices and footsteps told me that we reached inside the building. I heard a door open and then I stopped. The sound of the door opened again and then silence. Cautiously, I peered out from under the sheet to make sure that I was alone. When I realized that I was alone, I removed the sheet and came out of the bed. In the dim lights, I noticed other beds with people covered. I inhaled deeply and exhaled. To now or never, Jackson, I said to myself. The hunt was on to retrieve my mother. I searched the rooms, ensuring to keep out of sight of the few staff on location. 
Some of the rooms were separated with curtains, which I pushed back quickly in search of her. Finally, I found mom tied to a bed with leather straps. She shared a room with another patient. All the patients appeared to be heavily sedated. I untied her quickly. With the curtain moved, she recognized the other patient in the room. Jackson, look, it's Albert, mom said as she pointed to her coworker, a large man that looked like Santa Claus that was tied to the other bed. We need to untie him, she said quickly as she walked towards his bed. Mom, he doesn't look like he's going to make it. He's going to hold us back. We need to leave now. Despite my reasoning, mom untied him anyway. He groaned and looked in mom's direction. I wondered if they used tranquilizers to take Albert down. The man was as big as a grizzly. Hey, Albert, we're going to get you out of here, okay? Mom said softly to him. Come on, Jackson, help me. We were able to get Albert into a sitting position when an attendant came into the room. Hey, what are you guys doing? Mom and I began to throw anything we could get our hands on at him. Albert grabbed Mom's hand. Emma, take your boy and go. Before Mom could respond, Albert lunged at the attendant. Mom grabbed my hand and we dashed out of the room. We found ourselves in a storage room with hazmat suits. We quickly pulled them on and walked out of the room as casually as we could. It took us another five minutes to find an exit of the facility. As soon as we got to the truck, we took off the suits and drove off. Mom, where are we going to go? We can't go home. Don't worry, I know a place we can lay low for a bit. The tension in the truck was deafening. My mother focused on the road and I texted Tasha to let her know that we were safe. Eventually, we pulled up to Ma's house. I looked at Mom. Are you sure? We have no choice. Mom didn't like to go to Ma's because her brother, George, always lived there. George and Mom were never really close. Mom lived with their parents, but Uncle George lived with their grandma. Mom said since Ma died, Uncle George was acting stranger than usual. I never understood why Uncle George lived with Ma. I remember questioning my mother about it one time, and she said that's just the way it was. We hopped out of the truck and went to the front door. Mom opened it and we entered. George, are you home? Mom called. No answer. We decided to sleep in my mother's old room until we decided what we were going to do next. When I finally awoke, I heard my mother and Uncle George talking. I lingered in the corridor and listened. You can't stay here. The both of you need to go back. You have been exposed to the virus. What do you mean exposed to the virus? What did you get mixed up in, George? You had one job, Emma. Pickups and drop-offs. When I got you the job, I made this very clear. They grabbed me at one of the facilities. What was I supposed to do? If Jackson wasn't there, I don't know where I would have been. Who are these people, George? From where I was standing, I could see Uncle George. He said he didn't know anything, but his body language told Mom he was lying. Every time Uncle George told a lie, he would scratch his earlobe. If you don't come clean with me, George, so help me, I will call the police and let them handle it. Emma, don't do that. You really think that the police can be trusted? They are paid by the government to do the government's bidding. This is bigger than you and me. The only thing I can tell you is it is a treatment center. A company is paying people to have tests done on them and study their immune system. All I know is something big is about to go down. I walked into the room. Good morning, Mom, Uncle George. Mom looked at me but said nothing. Do you want something to eat? Mom asked. I nodded. Uncle George looked at Mom. We'll finish this conversation later. He walked out of the room. Later that evening, while going through some of Ma's things, she found some documents. Her eyes filled with terror as she realized what the documents were. She barged into Uncle George's room with the documents in hand. George, what is this? 
Did you take Ma to one of those facilities? You got paid, didn't you? That's why you don't want to go to the police. When Ma found out that I had gambling debts, she wanted to help me out. I told her about the program and she agreed. Ma had stage 3 cancer, so she knew her time was limited. The rigorous testing was too much for her frail body. Maybe if my own mother loved me enough to be there, then my life may have been more stable. Mom froze. Uncle George walked to his dresser and showed Mom a letter. After Ma passed, the lawyer gave me this letter. How could you keep something like this from me all this time, Emma? You are my mother, for God's sake. I couldn't believe my ears. My mother was Uncle George's mother? Which meant Uncle George wasn't my uncle, he was my brother. I was 16 when I got pregnant. I couldn't take care of myself. How did you expect me to take care of you? Being a pregnant teen and bringing a baby home was the kind of scandal mom and dad were not ready for. You know how they are, and don't you dare blame me for how you turned out. Things were getting out of control and quick. Mom, we need to focus on the real issue here. What are we going to do? I asked. You need to go back. You know too much. There is too much at stake. These people could make us disappear permanently. We really need a plan B because we are not going back there. Fine. Stay here till we find another way out of this. I called Tasha and updated her about what was going on. I told her that I missed her and as soon as this blew over, I would come and see her. The next day, mom and I woke up and we were really feeling under the weather. I'll take you to the hospital, Uncle George said. We sat at the back of the truck and Uncle George closed the door and jumped into the driver's seat. He dialed a number into his phone. I got both of them, he said. What did you think of my story? Comment your thoughts down below. My dad is a successful businessman who constantly got in trouble for mistreating his employees. One time, his secretary, who was pregnant, asked him if she could go home early because she wasn't feeling well. My dad responded, No, you have to finish your work first. But sir, I think I'm going into labor. Your water didn't break yet, or... So go back to work or else you are fired. Well, a few hours later, the poor woman ended up giving birth inside my dad's office. And instead of being helpful, my dad kept yelling at her to not make such a mess or else the carpet would be ruined. Yes, my dad was lacking in empathy. And when the local newspaper heard about the incident, they wrote a front page newspaper article about it, publicly humiliating him and tarnishing his reputation. My dad could have simply apologized to his secretary that gave birth, but instead, he wanted to sue her for defamation because she had called him the most ruthless boss in the history of mankind. Inside. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
that news article. Fortunately, my dad's lawyers convinced him that suing a mother who had just given birth would only further damage his public image. Instead, they advised him to donate money to some charity. My dad reluctantly agreed and chose to open a high school for underprivileged kids. That's where I come into play. I somehow persuaded my dad to let me take over the planning and administration of his new school. He was happy to see me be so passionate about the project. He probably thought it would prepare me to take over his business one day. Well, big mistake. Because my first decision was to turn it into an all-girls school. And I didn't care one bit if the girls came from underprivileged backgrounds or not. I just wanted them to be pretty. And to get as many school applications as possible, I let the school make all kinds of ridiculous promises. Like one teacher for every five students. And the offering of lots of sports activities like ballet classes and horse riding. LOL! I was way too lazy to hire a ballet teacher. And I certainly didn't buy any horses. But my marketing worked, and the school got over 2,000 applications. I went through all of them and checked every girl's Facebook account to see if they were pretty or not. Of course, I only chose the best-looking ones. To give you an idea how picky I was, I only accepted 1 in 10 girls. Anyway, the year was about to start, and I realized that I had forgotten to hire teachers. I ended up finding some at the last minute, but they were really bad. They all had been kicked out of their previous schools for either always being on sick leave, straight up stealing, or in one case, bullying one of her own students. But hiring bad teachers turned out to be a brilliant move on my part, because none of them cared whether I was running the school well or not. They all just wanted to collect their paychecks. In fact, two of the 10 teachers I hired only showed up for a single week. Afterward, they called in sick for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, I was 16 and put myself into 11th grade. The girls were surprised to have a boy in their class, but I told them I was only there for a few months to make sure my dad's school ran smoothly. Now, let me tell you something. Boys aren't the only ones whose hormones go crazy during puberty. Lots of girls were interested in me. No, let me correct myself. All girls were interested in me. I was the only guy around and got asked out on so many dates that I had to reject most girls. I simply didn't have the time to date them all. And a girl getting rejected by a guy only increases her desire for that man. That's why girls started promising me that I could do anything I wanted if I only went on a date with them. And while you probably think I was living the dream, I don't think that such an abundance of women was healthy for me. I had always looked up to my dad. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was also extremely hardworking and a high achiever. I wanted to be like him one day and not just end up as another spoiled rich kid. But ask yourself the following question. Would Bill Gates have had the discipline to build Microsoft if growing up he'd been surrounded by hundreds of pretty girls who all wanted him? Not a chance! And so, instead of focusing on my studies, I was fully busy with girls. I often skipped classes and took my classmates Kendall and Rose into empty classrooms to hang out and make out. I had a key to every classroom after all. I pulled out a water bottle and said, let's play spin the bottle. Can you believe that in 10 spins, it didn't point at me once? It was infuriating, but at least Kendall came home with me after school, so I won't complain. What shocked me the most about staying at an all-girls school was how mean the popular girls were. Our teachers paid no attention to bullying, and in my art class, some girls always drew their sketches on the backs of other girls. They had to hold still for at least an hour, and it was extremely degrading. I once asked one of the girls that got bullied why she let the popular girls treat her like that, and she replied, Because if I stand up for myself, they'll take me to the bathroom, take away my clothes, and make me walk home naked. I saw them do that to another girl. I felt sorry for her and invited her to my home. 
But once it got late, I told her, I want to sleep now. Please go home. Oh, but will we see each other again tomorrow? Um, no. So you don't want to be my boyfriend? I shook my head and she started crying. Oh my god, you took my V-card and you don't even want to date me? You stole it from me! At that point, I'd probably been intimate with a third of all girls at my school. Anyway, our school had no principal, which meant there was no supervision whatsoever and I could change anyone's grades on the report card. I only did that for myself and eight other girls who were my closest friends. But when I showed my fake report card full of A's and B's to my dad and he told me how proud he was, I felt a bit ashamed. Instead of studying hard for school, I was cutting corners and abusing my power to get laid with girls. I knew if I continued like this, I'd end up like Paris Hilton, another dumb rich kid who does nothing other than spending her daddy's money. So the following semester, I wanted to reinvent myself and decided to befriend Laura, who was the best student at our school. She was so diligent that she even read textbooks during recess. Hey, Laura, I said, want to study together with me for the next math exam? No, thank you. But teamwork is fun, isn't it? Teamwork? Why don't you first tell me how to locate the local maxima of a function? Of course, I didn't know the answer to her question, so she continued. Us two working together wouldn't be teamwork. It would be me tutoring you for free. No thank you. Well, okay, then let me pay you to be my tutor. $50 an hour, is that enough? Apparently, $50 was a lot to Lara. She agreed, and we met at my house. I was so used to girls being into me that I immediately made advances towards her. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it won't happen again. The study session went well, but during a break, Laura complained to me that her math teacher expected way too much and that it was impossible to get an A in her class. I replied, well, do you know my dad owns the school? I have enough power to change your grades any way you want. Really? Yeah. Last semester, I polished the report cards of a couple of my friends. Kendall, for example, got an F in her English exam, but thanks to me, ended up getting an A on her report card. I was telling her all that to impress her. However, she got really mad and said, I'm working my ass off day and night to study, and you give away A's to a bunch of undeserving brats you've slept with? I didn't know what to respond, and Lara stormed out. I had a bad feeling, but I had no idea just how bad things were about to get. Laura contacted both the local authorities and several newspapers to tell them how I was the only boy at my dad's all-girls school, how I had slept with dozens of girls, and how I had abused my power to give some of my favorite girls good grades in return for… you know what. It turned into a huge scandal, and everyone blamed my dad for what I had done. He got so much negative press that the board of directors of his own company decided to fire him as the CEO. At first, my dad hated me for all the trouble I'd caused him. But now, without the job and without the stress that comes with being a CEO, he became a much more relaxed person and forgave me. He even said, I'm glad I no longer work 12 hours a day. I have all the money in the world, so why shouldn't I enjoy myself a little? Right now, my dad does nothing but play golf all day and have fun. And why not if it makes him happy? Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. 
I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have Googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? And and it, it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. 
Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall, but then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. Nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me. And that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special. Why my life was like a movie. Like it was all fake. And then I realized it is. My life is probably a movie. And that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company. And I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched. But if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy. And maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. 
And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.